Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. Well, it's another day in paradise, friends. We're still here on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, and it's come to my attention that one of the advantages of traveling to places like this is the exposure you get to some of the more creative and unusual artwork that resides in places outside museums. For example, just the other day we saw a giant, bigger-than-life statue of Poseidon, the god of the sea, aiming his trident at a sundial. The statue was on the perfectly manicured grounds of a shopping center and marina. Good place for it, I suppose. But it got me wondering, what does Poseidon care about the time of day? He has all the oceans and all the sea creatures at his command. With all that power, he could simply order one of his dolphins to bring back a Rolex from the bottom of the sea, where it was probably dropped into the water off some mega-yacht cruising the Bahamas. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Today our episode will be focusing on artwork. The crazier and whimsical, the better. In our last podcast, I mentioned the fact that we'd visited Sanibel Island in Florida about two years ago. And as many Gene Shepard fans may know, Sanibel was Shep's home during the last 15 years of his life. Well, anyway, while we were down in Florida, we also happened to stop in at the Marietta Museum of Art and Whimsy in Sarasota, Florida. And that, my friends, is worth the trip all by itself. Unfortunately, access to the inside gallery is very limited right now due to concerns over the COVID pandemic. But when it reopens again, I would highly recommend a visit if you're ever down that way. Now you may be wondering, what exactly is this Museum of Art and Whimsy? Well, it's a phantasmagorical collection of all the oddest, most unusual, most outlandish and creative artwork you'll ever see in one place. It's got whirligigs, thingamabobs, Rube Goldberg creations, hundreds of pictures and sculptures of cats, bigger-than-life-size pink flamingos bobbing and weaving in the soft, gentle breeze. It's described as a, as a smiley place where you can relax and forget your problems, if only for a moment, to slow down, smell the roses, and enjoy the present. Speaking of whimsical artwork, I should also mention the experience we had driving down to Hilton Head two months ago. There on Interstate 95, we happened to pass a large flatbed trailer that was transporting a very unusual piece of cargo. It was a huge object of burnished silvery metal, somewhat random in shape and appearance, all welded together by some anonymous craftsman. Now mind you, many people would be quick to assume that this mysterious object was an example of a highly engineered piece of machinery perhaps something that belonged in an engineering environment like a chemical factory or some other process industry. And to that, I reply, bilge water. My friends, I have been inside refineries, factories, and similar industrial environments, and at no time have I ever observed anything like this object. Usually engineered machinery is all very carefully designed and very rectangular, orderly, geometrically shaped, and extremely linear. This object, on the other hand, was rounded, bulging, balloon-like, random to the extreme, and had about four or five similarly curved appendages radiating from its central core. It looked like it could have been a UFO or a prop in a science fiction movie. It just didn't look anything like a square-edged piece of high-tech equipment you'd normally find in any kind of modern manufacturing industry. 
So whatever it was, and whoever it belonged to, will probably remain a mystery to me as long as I live. But it certainly could have been a piece of whimsical artwork for all I know. Kind of like those modern art sculptures by Clay's Oldenburg, Larry Moore, or other abstract artists. Which brings us to the big story for today. Since we're talking about artwork, let me share with you the time that my friend Clive and I entered an art show. Now I should explain one thing. Neither Clive or I were professional artists. As a matter of fact, both of us made our living as advertising writers. So while you could say that our art consisted of words, and our tools were not brushes or chisels, but rather typewriters and legal pads, we did think of ourselves as creative people. And every single day, we worked alongside graphic designers, illustrators, and art directors. So we came to know their craft very intimately, almost as if it were our own. But in advertising, of course, there was a natural divide between the two professions. Even though art directors sometimes wrote headlines and writers sometimes came up with visual concepts, it was very rare for us to cross the line. Never the twain shall meet, as they say. Now Clive and I, like many others in our profession, belong to a local organization dedicated to the creative arts. The membership included writers like us, as well as all the artists, photographers, typesetters, and designers in town. And this organization, the Cleveland Society of Communicating Arts, generally held various social events throughout the year, like a competition for the best ad campaigns, lectures by famous New York advertising executives, and an annual event called the Winter Rose Art Show, which was open to all members, whether you're a writer, an artist, or even a salesman for the local art studio. So one year, on a lark, my friend Clive and I decided to enter the art show. We figured, why should real artists have all the fun? Yeah. With a canvas, some paint, and a few modestly priced art supplies, we could certainly come up with something creative and prize-worthy. Uh-huh. Clive, for his contribution, created an immense, colorful painting of a human sperm cell, wriggling tail and all. <laughs> now, back in those days, subject matter like this wasn't exactly groundbreaking. There have been plenty of PG and X-rated masterpieces that received wide attention, despite America's lingering obsession with prudish, Victorian-era tastes in art. Amen! After all, if Da Vinci, Michelangelo, and other Renaissance artists could paint naked or partially clothed human figures with graphic realism, why not us 20th century folks? Oh yeah! So Clive decided to cut right to the chase and depict a sperm cell, which was actually the granddaddy of all naked figures. As for me, my brainstorm was to do a still life, but not an ordinary one, mind you. None of this apples, oranges, and bananas stuff for me. I chose something closer to my own ethnic heritage, some food representative of my Eastern European upbringing. I created an actual working clock using a colorful paper plate as a background with a large potato dumpling, otherwise known as a pierogi, at the center, some long strips of fried onions as the clock hands, and four little brown button mushrooms for the 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and 12 o'clock markers on the clock face. It was a masterpiece in three dimensions. Thanks to my papier-mâché skills, 
It was very realistic looking, especially the large sculpted pierogi in the middle that looked like it was just dripping with butter. Yum. And the fried onion clock hands that actually moved, and kept rather good time besides. The piece was whimsical, outrageous, and cleverly constructed, and it was my own way of thumbing my nose at a rather serious-minded art establishment. So both Clive and I filled out our official entry forms and submitted our respective pieces of art to the Winter Rose competition. A short time later, we were duly informed that our pieces had been accepted and they would be included with the dozens of other paintings, photographs, and other artwork that would be hung gallery-style on the walls of a local restaurant so the judges could make their final decisions on the winners of the show. So, of course, Clive and I went down to that restaurant for lunch one day and got a big kick out of seeing our outrageous artwork on the walls. <laughs> Just imagine, friends, sitting down for an otherwise normal lunch and seeing a giant sperm right overhead. <laughs> Yuck. Or a pierogi clock, for that matter. <gasps> Does wonders for your appetite, I tell you. <laughs> well, folks, the judge's decision was final. Neither Clive nor I walked away with any prizes for our artwork that year. But just the knowledge that we had secretly tweaked the nose of some rather self-righteous authorities on so-called fine art was more than enough reward for us. The high and mighty had fallen thanks to two artist wannabes who engaged in guerrilla warfare against the professional art establishment. As the result of our little adventure in creativity, we had given new meaning to the term artsy-fartsy, and the art world would never be the same again, at least for us two writers. How stunning. Utterly magnificent. You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.